This episode of the FitCast is brought to you by Pedestal Footwear, pedestalfootwear.com. They've engineered the ultimate sock for those that love to train hard, get the benefits of barefoot training, and also the awesome grippiness that you would get from a shoe. Check them out at pedestalfootwear.com. Welcome back to the Fit Ask. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and as we get closer and closer to the unbelievable number of 400 episodes, I'm just having on some of my best friends, and that happens to include Mark Fisher of Mark Fisher Fitness. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well today. I'm honored to be part of the March to 400. <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't, I couldn't think of like a good CNN like <laughs> bumper, <laughs> like there you like, go. Like road, road to four hundred, road to the yeah. end of the end of the world. Yes, but I, I mean that's all. I, maybe like indecision episode four hundred. I couldn't decide who to have on, so I only just had on the people that I like having on the most. Amazing. Is that fair? That's totally fair. Yeah, but I think Comedy Central still still owns indecision uh, for the. You know, the people that still do those shows over there at night. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are, are getting close to, to 400. And I just wanted to get on some really great people because this is just like, it's an excuse for me to just talk to people that I love to talk to. And I appreciate you coming on. We were originally going to do a book club. We were going to talk about the Elon Musk book. Um, but we can we can table that for a later date. But I am curious, what what drew you to, to read that book as like a little preview for maybe when we do that? Uh, down the road because I was interested just for like the tech reasons and obviously that guy's kind of kind of doing some amazing things but uh, what drew you to that book yeah I think he's clearly someone that is playing an epic game that is on a really different level than most entrepreneurs Hmm. and I aspire to play the biggest game I can and sort of have the biggest impact on my community and on my society that I can and you read a book like that and you know I it's not like I'm like oh actually I'm gonna you know I'm going to get us to Pluto, right? It's not like I'm changing Mm. forces or leaving industries, but it does inspire me to think just much bigger and get much more unreasonable about the type of impact I can have uh, with my professional work. And he's he's also a very interesting person, obviously. Personally, Mm. I'm just like fascinated by that type of human, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, think, uh, you know, I'll save the the tidbits for when we get to the actual uh, book club episode, but I just find him as a human to be very fascinating. Absolutely. He's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll table that. Just don't want to, no spoilers for people that do want to get to that down the, down the road. But, um, what, what was I going to say? I mean, do you think that, you know, the general, and I hate, hate doing these like general terms, but you know, as fitness professionals, you're also doing a lot on the education side as well. Um, is, is it business for unicorns? Yes. Business for unicorns is the, uh, blog that my non-sexual life partner and I share. But you're also doing, uh, like you're doing events, like you're coming out to, to Boston to, yeah. uh, God, why am I, bl- I'm totally blanking on the name of the gym, Steve's place. Um, yeah. Amp fitness. That's yes. Right. I want, I wanted to say amp, but I'm like, no, it's not like amp. It's gotta be like turbo something, but it's, uh, sorry, Steve. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, really great to hear that you're kind of taking that on the, on the road because that is probably where the, one of the biggest things that fitness people kind of trip up on is the is the business side of things to either don't do it at all or they kind of fall down maybe the path of the dark side 
of the right. You know what I mean? Like making an ebook and like you know how to start like doing you know, uh, have an online membership website in 24 hours, like that kind of stuff. So yeah, totally. um, I'm kind of curious. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I've been thinking about, I don't know. I keep like coming back to like, what's like a good, like title for, I want to like make uh, either product or maybe it's just going to be like a Facebook mm. ad headline. Sometime it's like high integrity, high profits. Right. Yeah, like, right. You want both of those, right? right. Like, like one without the other, like, <sighs> yeah, but I, I don't know. Like this is something in I'm, I'm totally breaking the magic of this show, but Dan, John and I talked a couple uh, yesterday actually for, for episode 400. And we talked a little bit about this because uh, about kind of going, taking not like the long road, but not being afraid to say, Hey, you know, I don't need to take the you know, take the red eye jet and get to where I want to go overnight. Like it's, there is something about the process of coaching for a couple of years and then like really nailing down your ability to, to do that. And then kind of starting to focus on, you know, the business side of things and not just saying like, all right, well, I got my certification and I went to, you know, I went to perform better and I saw all these people speaking up there and look at, they all have products. So I need to make a product this weekend. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, you know, the reality is the, the barrier to entry is very low now because of the internet. And that is both awesome and presents a challenge. Totally. Because the functions that uh, make someone successful in marketing uh, and sales, which I, again, I believe is very important. I do believe like there's a high integrity way of doing that. Mm-hmm. It's a very different skill set than the skills of like creating great like products, right? Great right. services, great coaching, great content. And I think that they both matter. And I think, you know, for what it's worth, I don't think there's anybody who's like, man, I don't really care about this. I just want to make money. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe there are, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There really is. I, I really think most people are really trying to do good stuff from where they are. Um, but admittedly, you know, the reality is, you know, you don't have to go that route of like learning tons of stuff and you can, you know, the amount of money you're making is not always correlated with the amount of value you're providing. Right. Right. And my thing, it's not really up to me to sort of judge what other people are doing anyway. Uh, for me, you know, I just do my best to really focus on what we're providing and really make sure that like I'm, you know, honoring the values that we have, um, and really like focusing on just like crushing the amount of value we're offering in exchange mm-hmm. for the money we're receiving. Because I think capitalism, when it works properly, like ideally that's what should be happening, yeah. right? Like ideally capitalism should be awesome. And I think one of the reasons, if you look at millennials, uh, many of us are so disenchanted with business is because we've seen it like not always be reflective of it where the amount of money, you know, some corporations make doesn't actually feel reflective hmm. of the amount of value they're actually adding to society. And I understand there's a perspective that says, well, that's not true because fundamentally, whatever they're making is what they deserve, right? And I understand that, you know, perspective. Um, and again, I say without judgment, I just know it's it's really important to Michael and I hmm. um, to really make sure that in all of our business dealings, we we are not only making good money, but because like we're massively like really like adding value, which is a term it's I used to really hate, but now I say a lot. <laughs> I used to, I know like when I was first getting business stuff, and everyone was like, "You got to add value." Yeah, I was like stop saying that term. But yeah. now I totally get it, and I totally say it too. So there you go, learning. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's always a, a weird thing, and it's also weird to hear. And I had no idea we were going to start talking about business stuff, but it's something that you know, is, uh, it's kind of on the front of mind just because of all these talks that I've been having at the perform better summits these last couple of weeks. It's like you, you have those talks out in the halls and you hear what people are doing at their gyms to, to bring in more people and, and or whatever they're doing online. And, um, 
you know, it is, it is weird, uh, you know, kind of how you're saying that. Do you think that if, if you're going to be talking to, to maybe younger fitness coaches, uh, you know, not entirely, but maybe a majority, um, do you need to kind of talk to them about this a little bit differently in terms of the business side that it doesn't have to, that it doesn't have to be a, a, you know, a dirty discussion. Like it's okay to want to also, you know, make money and make sure like you can keep the lights on. Absolutely. And I think there's definitely a space for that type of conversation because I think because of the, for the very same reasons I mentioned, and again, I absolutely was one of those guys and to some extent can still be very, um, I'm not a cynical person, but I can definitely be skeptical around business's intentions because I too, you know, have the trauma of the past couple of decades of the things we've seen, you know, people in business sometimes wreak on our society at large. Mm -hmm. But because of that, I think it's very important that people see examples of what, uh, I think I've mentioned this before on this, a very influential book to me, Conscious Capitalism, Mm -hmm. um, businesses that are driven first by social impact um, and really like focus on that. And not just on sort of like bottom line revenue. Mm-hmm. And again, there's there's different philosophies, right? So I read an article recently by Kevin O'Leary, who's on Shark Tank, and it's interesting. I really understand, and you know, I get where he's coming from. And his perspective is for social entrepreneurs, they're essentially taxing everyone that that pays money to their business because they're you know always working to these other things, right? So for instance, a company like Tom's gives away one shoe for every pair of shoe a consumer buys. Someone like Kevin O'Leary would say that's actually messed up because that means you have to tax people and charge them more money mm-hmm. when really you should like let the consumer have more money, charge less money, and let them you know, do what they want with their, their money to make the world better. Right. Um, so again, you know, I really understand all sides and I don't judge, and, but you know, I would love to hopefully be an advocate for making like ideally making money in like a very high integrity way and for the people that are super trainers that understand we have issues around money and for understandable reasons are reluctant to talk that find marketing and sales a dirty word um i would just love to be part of the process of clearing up their emotions around that because the reality is what we want as an industry is for our best coaches and our best trainers to also be effective at the marketing, sales, organizational piece because then they're going to make a much larger impact on our society at large. And right. I really want to stand for them not being mutually exclusive skill sets. Yeah, you don't want it, all that attention to go to the, not celebrity trainers, but the trainers that are celebrities. Yeah, you know, ideally, yeah, we all, you know, I want, I want you know, people that are out there doing or in this business for the right reasons that are really working their butts off that are great coaches uh, i want to do everything i can to support those people in having more successful businesses because that leads to more impact in their communities and that yeah. leads to like an improved quality of life for our society right right um and this is i mean this is making me start to to really kind of get the the engine going in my head a little bit because and this is uh, a little bit inside baseball stuff, but um, you know, a lot of the, when when we started like the CFSC, I was in that same cynical mindset where I looked around and be like, "Man, there's like a lot of there's a lot of like certifications that I see out there. Like, I just don't get why they do it that way. Like, my only guess is like it's financial motivation for the way that they set things up to like maximize profits. Like, these are corporations, these are businesses, and that's what they're doing. And like, I always try to. Like always trying to, like you said, add value and almost 
and I have to do a better job of this, I guess, like not telling people like, hey, like this is an added thing. Like we want you to take advantage of this. We don't make any money from it. Like we can get you a discount on precision nutrition certification. Like we don't make a cent off this. We just set this up so you could get, you know, more yeah. added value. But, you know, how to, how do you like try to balance that or, or walk that line of, you know, you want to give all that added value. You want to tell people about it and you were really proud of it. But also, you know, like the, the guys were telling me like, dude, you have to like stop telling everyone like we don't make many, any money on this, this, this stuff. Like that's probably like, like it's, it's okay to, to do that. But also at the same time, like maybe not just say like, oh yeah, like we don't, we don't make any money off this. We don't get any affiliate stuff. We just want to do this so you guys can, you know, be the best in the industry. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's like a, you know, it's such a big question that, you know, there's unfortunately, I don't think really probably an answer for it <laughs> because really the, you know, the, the question is, what is the appropriate balance between the needs of all the the shareholders in any mm. sort of like transaction? Right, right. Like if all if all money is really is a, is a marker, a like a symbol for like energy or value, mm-hmm. right? There's different ways of you know people just value things differently, and that's why I think there's never really going to be consensus on things. You know, you look at businesses. Here's a great example. Okay, so how what type of margins should a business do? You know, and like kind of all depends. So, so when you say margin for people listening, they're maybe not really into like business land, you know, a classic thing is, you know, if you make, you know, say a million dollars, right. And you have a profit margin of 20%, that means that you're, you're keeping 20% of the money. So you're keeping, you know, Mm $200,000. Now 20% is a number you hear thrown around for businesses in general, (laughs) but it also depends on the industry, right? So in the fitness industry, you know, if you look at Thomas Plummer, I think he says it's like, uh, 35%, 40% is what training studios should make, but he'll also include the owner's salary in that. So then that gets like kind of confusing as far as what we're talking about margins. Mm -hmm. Then you look at other industries, you look at a place like Amazon and their margins are like slim to none, but they're doing billions and billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're still crushing it, even though their margins are non-existent because their strategy is to have the lowest margins possible and just have the biggest possible market. Right. So there's just, I think, different equally valid ways of approaching it. Um, and I do think, you know, the, certainly you can look to certain industry benchmarks as far as what feels appropriate. But we, you know, the thing is we always know there's a certain extent, which is just like absolutely greedy on behalf of the owners. Mm-hmm. And there's a far other side, which is absolutely like martyrdom and you're going to close because you're <laughs> so thin that like anything goes wrong. And then there's a lot of acceptable gray area in between where I think, uh, you know, different people can make different, different choices and sleep well at night. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it's so odd for me to see like the the success of something that 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 I'm doing and o- the only thing that and I'm I'm sure this is a lot for for a lot of people but like I just need to make sure that I'm really proud and like of of what we're doing like I feel yeah man you know what I mean like it's like it's like if we make this decision and it's financially motivated and it's not something like I would be on the outside and be like well, that is super rad that they're doing that. Like that means that they like really care and that they're doing it just to, you know, again, like try to be a, a leader in this industry. Like that's what I need to continue to be excited about what I'm doing. And like when that day stops coming, I'm gonna be like, dude, I'm I'm out. Like yeah. I need that. Like that's what I need to continue to get pumped up about this stuff, like every event. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. And for me, you know, like I just came back, I was at an idea fit this weekend. For me, that's part of the thing I love most about conferences, and I'm I'm an eternal student, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I'm always looking to like learn and get better, and 
Um, I definitely like the knowledge piece, but for me, there's definitely also an inspiration piece um, that I think particularly when you're in an industry like ours where there is a very real cost to what we do, particularly people that do it like in a very intense way, Mm -hmm. you know, like particular place like MFF where it's like we are going in there with people, right? We are like trying to really be their Sherpas and like guide them through a lot of stuff going on in their life to achieve this new and improved version of themselves. Um, and that, that cost can get you down. I think the self-care piece um, is just something that's so important for people to find ways to stay inspired mm-hmm. and stay connected to their mission and their vision and why they got in the industry this, in the first place. And we're very lucky we're in an industry where that, that relatively it, you know, requires discipline to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, we do something where we can be so easily gratified by helping people use fitness, which really for, I think, serious practitioners, most of us, particularly when you're doing gen pop, we're doing purely as a tool so they can live their best life, yep. right? We want people to be great at fitness so they can be better dads, right? We want people to be great at fitness so they can write cooler songs. Mm-hmm. We want people to be, you know, better at fitness so they can be like a better doctor, you know? Yeah. And I'm, uh, and I am super, <laughs> I'm super lucky to be in the place that I'm in because like, you know, I, I get, it's why I love working for Mike Boyle because if you kind of know anything about him, it's like we're always focused on like quality first. And you know, it, if you've followed his stuff over the last you know ten, fifteen, twenty years, you know, you know that's the case. He's always focused on quality, and like you know, the financials are always you know all the way at the bottom of like you know the decision making. It's always sure. let's make the best thing we can possibly make, and let's you know everything will just fall into place if we just do that. We'll be good, and it's. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be the case, but you know that's not going to be for the same for every situation. But I, I'm going to be a huge piece of crap if I don't ask some of these questions on Facebook because there's like a bazillion questions. Yeah, I was so honored. I was like, "Whoa, thank you." All right, so uh, let me see. I'm going to try to um, I'm going to try to start sprinkling some of these in. And uh, man, my man Drew Macy, he's got a, he's got a great question. Drew just saw him down at uh, Providence a couple weeks. Oh, God, it was last weekend. <laughs> Time time this summer is a little bit weird with a fourth before better summit, but uh, yeah, Drew wanted to ask, uh, what are some things uh, Mark wishes he had done differently looking back on the business, uh, equipment that didn't work out, facility design he wished was different, et cetera? Hmm. Oh, it's always such a tough question because human brains just like trick you and you're like, actually, I was glad that we did that terrible thing because I learned this thing. Hmm. Um, so... It's a good question. I think that here, here's like one particular super tactical thing I'll give you. I'm thinking of a million things. But one that is re- really interesting uh, is like a business thing. That the nature of our model, um, we wanted badly to do the grandfather in, like sign up for this rate and lock it in forever as long as you keep your agreement, right? And that's something I know a few facilities do. And because like I, I'm a very loyal person, That was really something that we had done for years and wanted to do forever. Um, And we recently had to send like a big mea culpa to the ninjas um, and let them know that as of next year, we're going to have to like kind of do a take back on that. Um, Mm. And I think we, first of all, we're giving them all six months with their current rates and we're giving um, based on how much their increases for a lot of people are going to get some sort of like discount code to soften the blow for 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I'll tell you that now feels like, oh, I messed up is first of all, I was just like, you know, I didn't, I never run a business before and <laughs> I didn't really understand the cost of living, uh, increases. I didn't understand that we would, 
you know, because we now are lucky to really like take care of our team in a way that like for me feels like very appropriate mm-hmm. uh, for people to take care of the ninjas to that extent. But because of that, you know, our costs have risen so much that, you know, we made this promise that we found out was like kind of unsustainable. Uh, and I, I really agonized over it because like I, the last thing I wanted to do was go back on something we had told people that we were going to try to do. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we found to be a logistical challenge, which I didn't realize, because we have a bunch of different memberships at MFF, sometimes people would get locked into a membership. They didn't really want to do that type of membership anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's say they were doing you know, training but wanted to do a, a classes membership. Because you, you're locked in that original membership, I, I can't honor like I can't even find the rate card from four years ago. Mm-hmm. So we'd have people sometimes staying in memberships that weren't even really the, the best fit for them anymore because they didn't want to lose their quote unquote like rent stabilization. <laughs> right. So it's a classic example of like uh, what Ray Dalio would call like a second and third order effect. Mm-hmm. These like weird things, these weird systems effects that like when you pull a thread, you didn't realize how ostensibly something is like honorable as like keep your rate forever was going to actually have some potentially negative consequences, not just for MFF, but for the ninjas. So that would be one specific example of like a, a membership thing. I think as far as like, um, space and equipment, I think we got lucky, honestly, because we, we really didn't do too much of that. We don't have a ton of space. So I think we've occasionally done things like bought stuff that we wound up like not using a lot. Right. So like we bought like, you know, a slide board and then wound up realizing we weren't really able to, to take the space up. We just weren't using it that often. Um, but on balance, I don't think uh, happily we really made too many mistakes in part because we were so ferocious in the beginning about like, you know, reading Mike's facility design book and like doing all those things to try to desperately learn from other people's <laughs> boo-boos. Um, and that was helpful. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I can't even imagine like knowing, you know, people like the, the guys over achieve like Jason and Lauren and, and God and Brandon, like I, I just, you, you, you have to kind of live that business, right? You have to like really have it in your blood. Like knowing the first thing that you wake up in the morning is I'm going to be thinking about MFF and right before I go to bed, I'm going to think of MFF too. Yeah, man. But I love it. Like I'm, I feel no, and that's what I mean. Like <laughs> yeah. all you guys like absolutely. Like Jason and Lauren, I was talking to him at Perform Better last weekend. Like, oh yeah, like we'll we'll leave the gym, we'll get home, we'll continue to work on stuff about the gym. But it's not like it's not like work. I'm like that is wow, that is awesome, and you can see it in their facilities and in, in what they do. It's just just amazing. Yeah, it's it's the work like live play thing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, someone I was watching uh, Rick Mayo at ID this past week, and he was talking mm. about the differences between different generations. And one of the points he made was that millennials tend to want like work life integration, right? I'm not about like work life balance. <laughs> where I'm like, oh, you can't. Nope, I'm done. I'm on relaxing time now. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, it's like, you know, it's like I always say Mark Fisher Fitness is my love letter to humanity. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like I'm writing a love letter to New York City. So, and it's not that it's not hard and it's not that sometimes I don't get overwhelmed and cry because I certainly do. But, you know, on balance, uh, I feel very lucky to do something I'm genuinely passionate about and have other people that are interested in serving this like thing that we're making together. Oh, man, it's so it, it's just so great to like to have discussions with people uh, about that stuff, and it's the same thing. Like when uh, I don't know if you've been down to Steve in, in, in Lindsay's place, but um, I haven't it, yet. I'm looking forward. Again, kind of like same thing. It's just like it is like their it's like their home, and it's so yeah. it's so rad. It's like they invite people into their home 
every single day to to get better. It's super cool. And um, we literally live on the third floor. So <laughs> yeah, right. literally. Though we are actually moving out, uh, believe it or not. Hilariously, we're leaving the Ninja Tree House. Which oh is what no. We call the, Upstairs, it's you know, it's all good, man. We're going to be like big boys and girls, and uh, you know, even for someone who's all in as I am, there, you know, mm-hmm. there is downsides to my business partner and I living here, and his <laughs> right. actually his fiance is now our marketing director. <laughs> so we are we are in it, which is great. But living we're also, business. I, yeah, when we're actually hilariously going to probably look for even the same building to live in mm-hmm. uh, with our my soon to be wife and his soon to be husband. Oh, awesome. Um, uh, probably somewhere near here. And then it would be like, I think nice. Cause we'll still get to, you know, spend time together and work together somewhere else, but it will, I think be fun to have a little bit of distance. I don't you anticipate get, get we'll to probably go home. too much less. Yeah. And, and, and like, it's, that is one thing I have to say is like tough is like, cause when you live where you work, um, you know, sometimes like you start having like needless anxiety. Like I should be doing something all the time if I'm not working. Right. Um, and you know, admittedly, even when you're like all in, it's good sometimes to watch a movie, right? Like it's good sometimes to do something else. So I think I'm really looking forward to that, uh, next stage of, of our life. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, and I'm going to throw in this question from Roland too. a uh, great question from Roland. Again, the guy that I've it's fun just to talk about this stuff since it's getting close to 400. A guy that I knew yeah. before episode one. Uh, so let's go going way back. Wow. Uh, I love Roland. Yeah. Yeah. Got his man. Uh, lost dog, man. Um, what's, the, what's the best way he's found uh, to motivate someone who has no real interest in exercise or diet? Yeah, such a such a great question. I mean, uh, well, you will be unsurprised to hear this, Kevin, of course, as a uh, – I can't say I'm a self-determination theory expert, <laughs> but I definitely aspire to be one. And one mm-hmm. of the tenets of that is simply that like, I can't motivate anyone, mm. right? All I can do hopefully is create conditions where someone has the freedom um, and the tools to motivate themselves. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of our stuff that we do with coaching is helpful for that, right? So like one of the, I think the, the first step really is always making sure the person knows that really they can do whatever they want to do, right? That there is no hidden agenda on my part as a fitness person to like, uh, not only not try to make you sign up for my gym, Mm -hmm. but not try to have the agenda of like, you should like even eat or do like eat certain foods or work out. If you don't want to do those things, uh, I am here to say that it's absolutely cool, Mm -hmm. right? You absolutely do not need to do that. But, and that's one of the reasons I think we always use like the Sherpa, symbolism at mff because it's like we don't want to try to be like experts like we know stuff but we're sherpas it's up to each person kind of where they want to go and i think a lot of the motivational interviewing and healthcare stuff gets really powerful there um and a a lot of the life coaching stuff that we've learned at mff which is like a pretty similar right because a lot of these i think ways of having conversations with open-ended questions understand we tend to have a lot of similarities and i think asking open-ended questions about what people value um, you know, visioning work, trying to get them to vision what their ideal life is and then helping them work back and consider what are the sort of actions and behaviors they need to execute on to create that. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen, the, the reality is, you know, I come at all of this with great humility. I think anybody who's in the trenches working with real people that is not and I'm not knocking them, but it's not only working with highly motivated online people, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of successful people in our industry that work with highly motivated uh, people that are online that just want the information and just need to fill in the knowledge gap. If you're working with people, you're filling in the behavior gap, 
Um, I come at that with great humility because I do think MFF does seem by all accounts to be one of the more successful places I've heard of in the industry. But even us, you know, it's very hard to change behavior, right? It's very hard. We are in a society that, you know, the term opsogenic environment gets thrown around, right? It's as if the entire society is working to make people sedentary and eat foods that are not going to serve their long-term health and hotness, as we say at MFF. Mm. Um, so, you know, the, the other flip side of that, I think, as a, a practitioner, another sort of, I think, interesting frame to answer that question that is useful. And I'm, again, I'm not, I'm like an imperfect person. I don't nail this all the time, but try to remind myself that also it's, it's not really up to me to even sort of like motivate people, right? And just have faith that people like are, you know, autonomous and they can know what they need and try to do, uh, you know, when they sort of raise their hand and their interest in making, you know, health and fitness a part of their life, uh, when it's coming from them, then I can sort of help them by mirroring back behaviors that they are or aren't executing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think community is a big piece of it, obviously. It's why, you know, I think you're seeing this across the board because, again, I believe it's like true. Um, behavioral change, I think, happens best in the context of community, right? Humans are not we're all porous, right? We don't, we don't have like this like closed system. We are really powerful at the effect of the world around us. One of the books I read recently, a really amazing book called The Power of the Other. Um, interesting exploration how in many ways, if you're looking to really achieve like your potential and do behavior change, to some extent, you're at the effect of the relationships around you. And one of the best things you can do really is cultivate the types of like open, candid, supportive relationships that can help you move towards becoming your best self because none of us are an island, right? And I think sort of if you can create and cultivate communities where people can, you know, identify and help rewrite their narrative, um, I think that that is a big piece of it and giving them possibility that there's a possibility of a different uh, version of themselves for which health and wellness is is a part of that. Hey guys, we're just going to take a break from the show for a second to talk about Pedestal Footwear at pedestalfootwear.com and you can probably tell that I am on the road. I am traveling and I got a long 10-day trip and I didn't want to pack heavy. So, you know what I did? I packed a pair of shoes for obviously walking outside and stuff and then I packed a pair of pedestal footwear socks so I can use those for training. I didn't need to bring a separate pair of shoes if I wanted to go to the gym. I have these awesome pedestal footwear socks that still allow me to do all the great athletic stuff that I like to do in the gym, You know, do my plyometrics, do my lateral bounds, and I'm good to go because I have that awesome grippiness on the bottom. And I can have them for a 10-day trip because these things are silver treated. They're made so they don't you know, start smelling after one use. You know, you can wash them just like every three to four sessions and you're going to be good to go. So that's what I did. Go check them out at pedestalfootwear.com. Get a couple pairs, two pairs, and they'll ship free. And then you can just keep a pair in your travel bag. So whenever you go on the road, you're going to have a great pair of socks to train in and you don't need to pack an extra pair of shoes just for the gym. Check them out again at pedestalfootwear.com. Jeez, this is, I mean, this was really bad for you. It took you 29 minutes to make me order a book. Um, oh, usually, it's usually oh, like man, 15. Oh. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, what are you only reading 14 books a day now or something? Yeah. Like, geez. Uh, and, and, and I, I want to also mention, and this is, uh, this was just kind of like coming up on just a, a lot of things that I've been thinking about. Um, but 
you know, Steve-O was, was in town uh, a couple months ago again at, at Steve and Lindsay's place, but um, getting to see the, the habitry stuff like firsthand and kind of see, you know, how, how they do everything, getting to work with Chris Scott Dixon uh, from Precision Nutrition, um, those have really given me a whole different kind of outlook at at um, behavior change and, and really kind of like peeling a couple of layers deeper and trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, like what those goals are, and then starting to, you know, create a, a roadmap. And maybe that map isn't a straight line, but, you know, you got to sometimes take a hike through the Rockies to, to get to where you eventually want to go. So, so um, yeah, it, and Steve has definitely been a huge uh, a resource to us at, at MFF, both I think from like inspiring ideas and also help reverse engineering some of the things that that we do, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things Stevo like had a slide once and I was like forehead slap. That's what we do. Um, <laughs> it's like everything here is optional. Mm-hmm. Here's the way we do things around here. Everything here is optional, and here's the way we do things around here. Right. And I think that that for me sums up I think so much of. Wh- like our highest version for our approach at a place like Mark Fisher Fitness is like you are perfect the way you are. You can do whatever you want to do. And I'm just going to like you and support you. And here's a path you could consider to get you towards your goals if you want to do this thing. You know, and again, like I said, I'm, I know that, you know, we definitely, I definitely always defer to those guys because they're so steeped in the research on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, another person, uh, I haven't read this one yet, but it's on my list. Uh, why motivating people doesn't work and what does. Hmm. Is written by a woman I saw speak. She spoke with me at Idea this weekend named Susan Fowler. And she, I guess, uh, works with Ken Blanchard, who is a, a very famous leadership and management consultant mm-hmm. on the use of self-determination theory uh, when it comes to management. So, and it's interesting because it's, it's, it's all the same thing, right? It's like <laughs> whether you're like coaching someone or you're managing someone on a team or, you know, these days now working with business coaching clients, it's all sort of the you know, very, the, the tools I carry over. Um, and I feel very lucky to have very smart people in my circle to help reverse engineering what's happening and helping me shine a light on where I think I could do a better job because, you know, I think, uh, I want to keep getting better at this stuff. And that's something that is sometimes, um, it's, it's hard to, for people to find that in, in themselves, to find that, that, that drive to continue to want to get better. I hate, I mean, we've said it a couple times, but um, it was a couple of weeks ago that I was super pissed off when some guy was up at the front of the, uh, like they do Q, Q&As on Saturdays at the Perform Better Summits and like this this coach in his 50s or 60s or something like that, like they got the question like, no, what do you, what do you wish, you know, strength coaches that are just getting into the industry are doing today that they used to do back when you were getting into it? like... No, these millennials are just so you know lazy, and they expect everything to to, to come from them. Um, I don't know. Why I want to rant on that, but I just want to say, like, dude, you're, yeah. you're a butthead. Don't don't like, don't make generalized statements like that. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, I mean, for me, like, one thing. Uh, so here's something I really, I also aspire to hold on to as a life credo that mm. uh, I stole from Tom Bilio, who. Uh, is the president of quest nutrition and does an amazing podcast called inside quest. Right. And one of his credos is I adopt belief systems that move me towards my goals. And in that he's very pragmatic and and candid about, I don't even care if it's true or not, (laughs) but I think it's like really, you know, if you can ask yourself like from the 30,000 foot view, is this, is this belief useful? 
Yeah. And like, but the belief system that millennials are lazy, I don't, for me, like I'm not too interested whether it's true or not. I mean, certainly we can agree it's at the very least an incredibly laughably crass stereotype of an of like millions of people. But I don't know. I just don't know that that's like a useful thing to dwell on, even, right. even if there is like a noticeable trend. Yeah. Um, you know, because you'll often, I do think like, you know, I'm, I got kind of like a little bit of law of attraction stuff in me, you know, and mm. I think you often get out of people what you see in them, you know, and I think if you're looking to, again, both for your clients and if you're uh, a leader, the, the best thing you can do is constantly do your best to like try to look at the, the best in them and just like ruthlessly believe in their potential. And I think, you know, belief systems like that, while not wrong, I, I don't think are as useful. As, as as someone that's helping other people uh, on the business side of things, um, do you, do you have have you ever been like asked the question from someone like how how do you find that thing that's like deep inside you that is your motivating factor? So you you are someone that is 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 more like yourself that is always you know driving to get a little bit better, always thinking about you know how can we improve things at MFF and like I need to get. You know the next book. Maybe there's going to be one or two things in here that I can implement that will make things even better than yeah. where they were before. Yeah, I think uh, you know the again. It's one of those things of like motivation that I, I do think a lot about because like I no secret am like pretty intensely like driven dude, mm. and you know I can only speak to my own experience, right? And I, I don't necessarily know that like everyone even should be like that. You know, like I. I'm also a firm believer that, you know, a variety of human beings and, and personality styles is like an awesome thing. And that we all have a, we all have a part to play and we all have gifts to offer. Um, for people that want more drive, what I have personally found to be useful um, is like, I just think about death a lot. I think about death all the time. Like <laughs> That's right. I'm just constantly <laughs> thinking about my legacy. Uh, I feel like one thing that is good that I would say about myself is I feel like I am like not really, I don't feel entitled to pretty much anything and I don't mm. feel entitled to tomorrow, quite frankly, you know, and I can say that if, if like I were going to like die tomorrow, I'd be like stoked about the way I've been living my life, <laughs> right? Like I feel like I'm just sprinting as hard as I can to make the maximum positive impact I can uh, and try to be honest with myself about my challenges and imperfections and just constantly looking to sharpen my saw and, and just leverage impact right and that's why like i'm inspired by people like elon musk even though like i'm you know he's playing a whole different game you know i keep wanting to like play a bigger and bigger game and have a bigger and bigger impact um and i think when people get serious thinking about their legacy so like a a technique i'll always use when i do workshops right um i'll have people uh you know try to like close their eyes and think about being at a funeral and like look at all the people that are there really look at the person who would be most devastated by their death. And then they're looking at a tombstone and there's like one word on that tombstone. Right. And just get, get real about like what word mm. would define your entire humanity and your entire legacy. And then from there, from that 30,000 foot view, we then segue into conversation around like, what is the mission of your business? Which is, I believe for, for owner operators, uh, and certainly for anyone, anyone who's in the industry anyway, even if you're, if, if you're not just, but also if you're a personal trainer, um, I believe there's like a personal mission that drove you into this industry. Yes. Yeah, right. Paramount. And I think like really connecting with that on a ba daily basis is a really important thing. And admittedly, again, takes all kinds. And I know not mm. everyone that's a natural thing for that's something that, um, for me, for whatever reason, I just like can't, I can't not do, mm -hmm. um, 
so I think that, that weirdly, if people are comfortable with it, I think contemplating death is your best bet. <laughs> but, but everyone's different, so I'm not necessarily recommended you do that. But, it's, but mortality has always worked for me. Fear of death drives me every day. I was going to um, – I mean, I don't know if I should anymore, but I was going to recommend you go check out a really good episode of um, the Norm MacDonald show. He started doing like a YouTube show – a while, like, a, I don't know, like a year or two ago. And he just has people on and, and talks to him. And he had, um, and some people don't like this guy, but he had, he had Russell Brand on that. I, I quite like him. Um, and talking about death and, um, because Norm Macdonald is like, that's his biggest worry in the world is like fear of death and like not wanting to die and all that stuff. And like, I guess someone, I forget who it was, but someone eventually like said, like the only like you're the only person that isn't going to care that you're dead because you're dead. Like, right, right. like who's going to get like out? I mean, maybe there's some kind of like consciousness afterwards, but like yeah. that's, if, if there is, I bet you're going to be able to do some dope shit and like, you're going to want to go like to a different planet or something like that or go to a different like time yeah. travel. I don't know. No, it's true, man. I, I think it just also depends on the way you go. Right. Because I think that like, that's <laughs> like, it's maybe not death. It's like, uh, you know, the, you know, the potential like challenges that, that happen, right? Like, so, uh, I'll probably cry talking about this, but my, uh, my fiance, her mother has been a caretaker for an older couple. They're both 86 and his wife passed away on her 50th birthday. And it just like, I, I've been, she gave me the obituary and I don't, I don't know why I just keep reading it. I think it's so beautiful. Hmm. And he, he, the husband wrote it. It was just like beautiful. It was like, uh, I can't remember her, her name. Um, but it was like she completed her course of miracles and returned to her place in the sky. And it's such a poetic, short, beautiful obituary. And I was so moved, not just by the obituary, but he wrote Sheena a thank you note for the work that her mother did to let Sheena know how I don't think I could have gotten through this time without your mother's help and care. Hmm. And in the last paragraph, started talking about the things he was looking forward to in the summer. This was a man who lost his partner of 50 years, like not even 10 days prior. Hmm. And I think it's such a testament to the resilience of the human spirit, because in many ways, I think that's what we fear, right? Like you're right. Probably bigger fear is like losing the people you love, mm-hmm. which like is, is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think like if I believe like a, for me, like a life all lived is I really want to do that in like the most open hearted, conscious, like full out, full of love, full of passion way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I get really lucky, maybe I'll die in ground zero of a nuclear explosion, right? Just instantly vaporize <laughs> because really that's probably the most humane way to go, right? If you're like ground zero and you just like cease to exist. Dr. Um, Manhattan uh, from super, yeah. Watchmen and have that super happen. Morbid, super morbid thing to say, but let's yeah. be honest, people, let's get real. <laughs> Well, I think, uh, I mean, Dan yeah. John puts it really well, like live long, drop dead. Yeah, man. That's, you know, that's the dream. Like that's absolutely the dream. And one of our coaches, really brilliant guy, uh, coach Fury, Steve Hollander yeah. has this new brand die mighty. And it's a tombstone with a sword. Yeah, in I it. saw that. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's so amazing. And his thing, like one thing, he, one of his personal missions are he really wants people like living well and aging mm-hmm. long. And that's, you know, and Mike, I know talks about that a lot too. The number one, I think the number one leading cause of death after the age of number two leading cause of death, I think after the age of 70 is a slip or fall, right? Hips. Yeah. Um, broken hips. Yeah, Dan John's new, uh, DVD, uh, product. Now what is really yep. awesome. And, 
one of the things that it's so true is like that's really how you define independence as you age is can you gracefully get up and off – can you use the bathroom alone, mm-hmm. right? And that's – again, you think about the value of what we're doing, right? In addition to many other things, like if we can contribute as an industry to helping people like age better, to, to live with dignity and grace and independence, man, live long, drop dead. I love that. Like, right? Like, that's worth getting up in the morning for, man. Yeah. That's worth teaching people about to do Turkish get up. Come on. It's yeah. not about the get up. That's what it's about. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why I thought about this. It was like today or yesterday, just like, you know, going to the grocery store and, and you know, you see the, the handicapped parking spots and you see, you know, the people that are, the people that are using them are getting younger and younger. And, you know, they're, they have no, you know, they, they have all their limbs and stuff like that, but you just see people like needing to make use of those handicap spots younger and younger to get close to the, close to the store. And those are the people, you know, at least that's like a motivating factor for me too. It's like, yeah, I just, I never want to need a handicap spot. Like I never want to be able to have to use a, a walker because like we, we all had grandparents, like my grandmother had Parkinson's and to see like, you know, what that does and, you know, God, heredity, uh, but hopefully I, I don't, you know, I can fight that off. But uh, yeah, that's something that you just want to kind of avoid at at all costs as long as humanly possible. Yeah, it's true, man. You know, and, and you know, the nature of, you know, we know the nature of <clears throat> disease is that it's like multifactorial, right? And we know there's a strong hereditary component you can't control. Um, yeah. But once again, you know, adopting belief systems, adopting behaviors that are like truly useful and move you towards your goals. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a great, we're in a great industry, man. I feel lucky every day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so weird. It's like Mike has that evolution of a strength coach thing, but I think there's an L like an evolution of a personal training client where you like, you start and you're thinking I'm dropping 20 pounds or at least like this was for me personally. It's like, yeah, I just, I'm doing oh, this yeah. because I want to get like leaner and I want to look the, like the whole look yep. better naked thing, like growing up man. Yep. like now it's, like, yeah, I don't want to, I want my joints to fully function. I want to be able to pick up stuff and like being stronger makes life easier. And then also, you know, I have a family history of cancer on both sides. I have Parkinson's on one side. So like I'm doing whatever I can nutritionally and physically to avoid those things at all costs. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it's funny you say that. That's something I think about a lot. I do think there is an evolution of like a, uh, a fitness person, Right, because you're right. So often, you know, people start, you know, certainly in my case, many people we work with here, and it's a purely an aesthetic goal. Yeah. Right. And then it's interesting, not unlike strength coaches, uh, uh, we find a lot of people at a certain point, you know, six months to a year in, uh, then segue away from aesthetics and actually start getting into performance because mm-hmm. they start to enjoy training. They enjoy the gamification, like getting stronger and, you know, girls starting to bust out pull ups, and which is a really like yep. awesome thing to see people get stoked about. But then here's the thing that's interesting that like uh, I, I would be I would love for people to talk more about is like the three to five year point, right? And that's where things get interesting, where like you can't quite gamify it anymore. Mrs. Rossini is probably not maybe not the best choice for her to start doing ten sets of three with chains, <laughs> right? Where like she's like about as strong as she's gonna get. Yeah. Right. And then why do you keep training? Right. And mm-hmm. it's I think linking it to that longer vision of their life. I think uh you know, one thing I often say for the true ninja, the means become the ends. Yeah, yeah. Right? At, at a certain point, you're, you're not training anymore to get anywhere. Uh, it's another thing Dan talks about I think is so brilliant is the park bench versus the bus bench workout. <laughs> yep. 
right? You get a place where it's like it's park bench workouts. You're just training because that's like who you are. You're training because you know the foundation of showing up for the people you love in your life and serving your world so you get to die empty is predicated on your physiological system getting the proper inputs, right? And that means like eating properly, sleeping properly, training. Um, and it's not about being like a zealot. It's not about being orthorexic, but it's about like doing the things you need to do and having the discipline to take care of yourself so that you can take care of other people. And that, I think when you see that transition where the person doesn't need a goal anymore and training becomes who they are, uh, to me is like really, really satisfying. I think that's where, I think that's, that's the showstopper. I think that's, I think that's where we wrap things up. Right on. Um, but you know, I, I do, uh, I do want to mention real quick. Um, and Steve sent me the the thing. Now, if if I was a good host, I would have this thing in in front of me right now. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to burn some time, and I'm going to go over to Steve's uh, Facebook page and over at Amp Fitness. Uh, here it is. Finally got it pulled up in front of me. But um, Steve and Lindsay are going to be having business for unicorns over at Amp uh, very very soon. It's actually going to be. September 24th and 25th, uh, and it's titled Inside the Unicorn. Inside the Unicorn. Yeah, we're going inside, baby. Jeez, how deep are we going? We're going to hang out by the appendix. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that, you, you, you expect that in the, the website for signing up is businessforunicorns.com. You head over there, and you can get in on the early bird registration, which is uh, – how long is that early? Well, just use the promo code early bird, all one word, and you can get that as long as it's uh, still available. But these things are going to fill up, and I don't know how many spots uh, Steve said you guys were going to have there, but um, that's going to be something that you're going to want to go check out. And uh, my schedule is a little funny right now, but hopefully I'm going to be in Boston to go see that. Yeah, I'd love to have you there. We actually, I guess Steve emailed uh, Mike about possibly swinging by, which was yeah. below my mind. So I was like, Mike boy, you're the guest forever because my life would be spent trying to pay back the things you taught me. So no pressure, but man, he, he talks about you there. like a lot. Like he oh, follows your stuff man. a ton. So mutual. again, like, you know, that's again, one of the great things about working for Mike Boyle. He is always learning. He's going, you know, everywhere for learning. He's learning great things from uh, you and MFF. So uh, we're always, we're always taking a lot from what you guys are, are doing. And even, even Tony Gentilcore, look at how many name drops I have in here. Tony Gentilcore, I was talking about, uh, I think he's probably going to be there too, hopefully too. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it because I don't know if he wants to talk about, it, but, um, yeah. So anyways, uh, I think that's where we're going to pause for, for right now. Is there anything else outside of that event? Uh, amp it's at, uh, September 24th and 25th. This is in they're literally right in the heart of Boston. It's starting Saturday at 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and then Sunday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. I wonder why you got to start an hour later. Probably because you go a little out, go out, have a little, little drinky, drinky. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but anything else coming up that people should keep an eye out for? Yeah, I think uh, you know I'm definitely I'm speaking so much now. It's such a pleasure. Um, I would <laughs> say you can find all that info at markfisherhumanbeing.com. That's my personal uh, website where you can find all my speaking stuff. Um, and I definitely recommend people checking out uh, businessforunicorns.com. Mm. Uh, Michael and I have made a soul blood oath to each other to put out a new piece of content every two weeks. Um, so if you want to sign up on the uh, email list for that, uh, I, I'm really proud of the information we're putting out. I think it's uh, 
a little bit different than other stuff you might read in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, not just from style, but also I think the type of content, the types of things we're talking about. Um, yeah, go check it out and always feel free to say hi and let me know feedback or things you'd like for us to talk about. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I can never give, um, I don't know if it's like giving props, but just the the incredible, uh, the incredible staff that you have at MFF uh, oh. from you know uh, Brian Patrick Murphy, uh, you know Hest, Harold Jeff, like and, and just being able to hang out with those guys over the weekend uh, was uh, really made the uh, the Perform Better Summit uh, special. And again, like it's when you get to see people like Stephen and, and Lauren from from Amp getting to see Jason and Lauren. I'm sure they weren't expecting to hear their names drop 48,000 times in the show. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's so great to see what I, I kind of see as, and, and you're influencing these people, Mark, is like the like kind of next generation of fitness facility and the way that we interact with people through business and, you know, just through interaction with our, our athletes and our, and our clients and stuff like that, the people that come into our gym looking for help and how we help them. So um, it's just super rad to be able to kind of connect all those dots and see all that, that genesis of, of what's going on right now. Yeah. It's a really, I think an exciting time in the industry. I was, uh, more name drop was hanging out with my friend, uh, Tom Robertson, a great guy yeah. who uh, runs, uh, you know, all the like online stuff for, uh, Martin Rooney. TFW, and yeah. yeah. It's funny. I haven't even met Martin Rooney before, but I know, you know, he has a whole one day now called coaching greatness. Mm. And it's really, you know, we've talked this before too, you know, even five years ago, you'd go to perform better. And it was like, all sets and reps, which <laughs> yep. is great, right? And you got, you know, listen, like, you know, that's our thing too. Like, and MFF, I know, is so funny because no one knows like how like super nerd intense we are. Mm-hmm. But like, you, you got to know that stuff, right? You have to like, you know, like Mike says, do no harm, or you have to really know how to create a great training effect. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I think, encouraging to see how many people in the industry are, in addition to the business stuff, are just really understanding. It's about coaching. It's about behavioral change. It's about like listening to people. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a great time to be in the industry, and I'm just I'm so excited to for us all to keep pushing forward and working together and sharing and teaching each other. And yeah, I feel very lucky. <sighs> love it, love it so much. Uh, and I'm lucky to have you on uh, on the show. You know, so many times and be able to chat with you and, and catch up. And I'll I'll be back in New York in October, so hopefully I'll be able to to stop by and, and say hi. And that'd be awesome. See what's up and. Uh, yeah, I guess that that's going to do it for, for this show. So thanks to everyone that has tuned in for, for this week. Don't forget to go to FitCast.network for all the other shows on the FitCast Network. And if you do if you do like iTunes, some people still do, go to iTunes, submit a review on there. I really appreciate that. And if you really enjoy this show, and I so many people have, have reached out and said how much they, they enjoy the show, and you get like a you know PayPal donation and a Patreon supporter, uh, it means a lot if you've kind of enjoyed these last 400 episodes or so. Uh, if you jump on and you become a supporter of the show through patreon.com slash the like at a dollar per episode really helps or make a one-time or a monthly donation through PayPal. We have a couple of people that do that as well. It means a lot to help support all this crazy stuff I got going on over in the network. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it for, for my spiel. Again, uh, sir, it's great to talk to you and uh, try to try to stay cool. I know it's like a thousand degrees out. So yes, I have AC. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thanks, world, for for (laughs) Thanks, universe. All right, we'll see you (laughs) next time. Later, brother.